0: Did you find the book of Matthew yet? All right, I'm going to wait just for a minute for that uh, girl that I flirted with earlier to come back and sit down. There we go. Hi, sweetie. Such a bass player. Wow, so macho. Cool headphones today, babe. The Gospel of Matthew calls the reader to respond to Jesus as his disciple. Follow me, Jesus says. It's a command. You either obey or rebel. Which will you do? That wasn't rhetorical. Most of the time it is. Yeah, which will you? I'm hoping that it wasn't silent because you're like, well, we're checking out. <laughs> follow me, Jesus says. That is, that is his invitation. It is his command to every individual who encounters him to become his disciple, to follow him. And Matthew tells the reader what that means what it looks like and what it means to be a follower of Jesus we we are still in the sermon on the mount and we've transitioned to a new section as Matthew has organized this teaching of Jesus and we're picking it up today at verse 19 we'll read verse 19 through 24 today Jesus is going to teach his disciples about how they should relate to money and possessions it won't be the last time but this might be well. I'm not. I didn't even double check how much he said so far. But this is the most he has said so far in the text. Here we go. Pick it up at verse 19. Are you ready? If you are, say I am. I am. Good job. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy. Your Bible might say rust. It, it's a there's some ancient language there that simply means uh, that it could it could it could be decayed by by rust or by attack. Where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Many of you thought that your heart was located near your sternum. It's actually located near your left bun. (laughs) That's a wallet joke. Uh, wait, why did he say that? <laughs> the, la- the eye, they keep moving right along in the Bible, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, time out, you might be thinking, wait, why is he, this is, he's moved on to something else, why is this part of it, he hasn't moved on, it's all context, stay with it. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, take a look at your marginal notes there in your Bibles. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus said all of that, so you should probably say amen. Amen. (laughs) Disciples of Jesus store up treasure in heaven because they are generous and they are devoted to God. Let's break this down in just those three sections today. Uh, from what Jesus is teaching, beginning with uh, the first paragraph, there is the first principle that we see Jesus teach us: is that we should store up treasure in heaven. Would you say it out loud? Store up treasure in heaven. So let me read it again: Do not store for your, store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy. Where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Do not, Jesus says, do not store up treasure on earth. Why? Because it is likely to suffer decay, destruction, and theft. There is no long-term, lifelong, generational uh, promise to treasures on earth. Do not get too attached to the temporary. Disciples of Jesus are not temporary people. You have been stamped with eternity. You live in this world, but live for a world beyond this one. So we don't get too attached. We don't fasten ourselves to the temporary. The temporary is fickle, it is fragile, it is short-term. Proverbs 23 and verse 4 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Don't trust in your own cleverness. As a matter of fact, Proverbs says quite a bit about not trusting in or chasing after riches in this world because they they, they tend to take flight. They tend to disappear. So do not store up for yourself treasure on earth. But Jesus says, do store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Treasure in heaven, how do we do that? Well, the context has already helped us significantly. If we've been reading what Jesus has been teaching uh, already in Matthew, you've heard him say that the, 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 the way that we practice righteousness, that our heavenly Father sees that and will... Reward everybody say reward so this really carries on this how we store up treasure in heaven is living for the eager praise of our heavenly father and for his reward That's that's uh, though in a one way that we we do that But I want you to consider also that Jesus does literally mean that we should steward or handle uh, Worldly material wealth in a way that honors heaven I want you to consider passages. This is a, a uh, if you've been in church for a while or you've seen uh, offering envelopes being passed around, this is usually on there. But here's a promise. This is the last uh, prophetic text that we have in our Old Testament. And it is. It, it, it is one of the last oracles uh, of the first covenant that was gathered and remained. And there was the book of Malachi, and this prophet, the, the, the temple is built, the walls are built, the cities are built, and this prophet of the Lord is coming along, and he's challenging the priests and the leaders and the people to stop living, stop giving God half their best. And he's calling them to, have a, to turn their hearts fully toward him. And among the challenges, there's, there's several about their marriage and other kinds of things. But here it is in chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. He's challenged them about, he's actually told them that they've been robbing him. And they're like, what? What do you mean robbing God? But here's what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The whole tithe. He, they, they had been tipping God instead of tithing. And they were wondering what was wrong. <laughs> But here he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is the one time or one of the rare times that we hear God say, come at me, bro. Come at me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It, right away we hear that, this, that the, the, the God's blessing, His promise, is not, when it says uh, treasures in heaven, that doesn't mean that God's going to keep every good thing and not, and not help you or bless you until you die. That's not what that means. That does mean that there are treasures in heaven and treasures in eternity, but there's also a concurrent promise that God will be faithful today, that as you trust God, as you use material things in this world for heavenly good, that heaven will work for your good in this material world. That's, That's the Bible. It's just sitting right there. See, if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much Blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Lack has never been God's idea. Right, right. Lack is not God's idea. Poverty is not His idea. You know what? You say, well, how, can you, how do you know that? Have you considered water or grass? Look at the creation. God never does anything sparingly. God is a God of abundance. There's always more than enough. And whenever things are done His way, there's always more than enough. For there to be lack or, or, or poverty, there has to be corruption or oppression. There has to be sin somewhere in the pipeline. Take a look around the world. You say, why are there nations and, and countries and peoples that are starving and oppression? There is sin in the pipeline. Someone is stealing, oppressing, uh, pr- uh, oppressing human nature. Our friends, this isn't in my notes, and I shouldn't be talking about it, but our friends in the, in, the, in the nation of Cuba, our brothers and sisters that are struggling to look for food, that nation should be feeding the entire Caribbean islands. It should be more prosperous than Hawaii. The land is fertile. It's flat. You can plant anything, and it should grow. It should prosper. They have terrific beef, but they won't let you eat it because they save it for the tourists. That's corruption. What's your whole point, Deb, to get political? No, I'm saying that that abundance is God's idea. And whenever we do things God's way, there is more than enough. So we contend, so we do what's righteous, and we contend against unrighteousness and corruption and poison in the system. If there's sin in the pipeline, the people of God should be the first ones to say no, because it's God's will that everyone thrives. And if someone's not thriving, then we need to stand up and say, that's wrong, that's immoral, that's corrupt, it's not God's way. Okay, let's go back to the Bible. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. That is God's preference. Don't you let anybody tell you that God's preference is lack in order to teach you something or to develop you spiritually or your maturity. That is a lie. Treasure stored in heaven is not subject to decay, destruction, or theft. It is certain, and it is yours to enjoy. The contrast that Jesus teaches in this first paragraph, I just have to trust the Holy Spirit, because I I really didn't intend to say all of that so passionately, and I'm a little bit chemically challenged right now in my system. All the chemicals have rushed in my frontal lobe. like I'm getting ready for a fight, and I don't know why. (laughs) the contrast in the first paragraph is that treasures on earth means that somebody is hoarding and somebody is keeping but treasure in heaven means that we are sharing and that we are giving material wealth used in the service of heaven now will be stored in heaven for you forever. How do we store up? What do we do to store up treasures in heaven? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Paul writes, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. There's the challenge, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who is absolutely certain, who listen who richly provides present tense who richly provides who partially provides sparingly provides begrudgingly provides i'm looking for somebody going to help me preach this thing who, who how does god who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment Command them to do good. See, the more you see who God is, how generous He is, that will infect infect your heart with God's generosity. Command them to do good. Be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. In this way, (laughs) here it is. It doesn't get any easier than this. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus connects our treasures and our hearts. For the Jews, the heart just wasn't what we feel. It wasn't just emotion. It was intelligence. It was our will. It was our choices, our decisions. What Jesus is saying, that where you direct your treasure is an indicator of what matters most to you. But he's also saying this, I think we can take it this way, that how you direct your treasure will become a motivator, that you, can, that you will value what you invest in. Yeah. Yeah. Don't store up treasures on earth, don't put your trust here, don't keep it here, don't hoard it here, don't guard it here, don't get too attached to here, but practice, uh, practice a, a heaven-based economy of generosity. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's, so the first paragraph is really about our practice, what we do, how we store. But then he takes it further in the second paragraph, beginning at verse 22. "The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eyes are unhealthy, then your whole body will be full of darkness, then the light within you, if the light, if then, the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? verse 22 and 23 the idea here is be generous everybody say it with me be, be generous. if the eye is the lamp of the body that this principle all by itself you could extract it many of your study bibles if you're if they have the commentary there it'll probably say something like uh the importance of being careful oh be careful little eyes what you see you know all right is that a true principle Yes. Is, is it true? If you took that, if you extracted it out by itself from the context, does that principle remain true? The eye is the lamp of the body, and whatever we let in affects the light or the condition of our inner person? Yes. Amen. That's absolutely a powerful principle, standing alone all by itself. You could put it on a bumper sticker, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your visor. It's true. Amen. Yeah. However, in this context, he's, it's not just, ta- it doesn't just, in this context, Jesus isn't necessarily saying, stop looking at porn, although you should stop that. He's saying that this is still about treasure. If the first paragraph was about our practical, about action, about what we do to store up treasure, now Jesus takes us closer. He he is challenging our attitudes, our perspective. He's talking about the way that you and I view treasure. He's talking about the condition of our eyes. You say, well, Jesus said, if your eye is healthy or unhealthy, or or another passage, if it's healthy or evil. In this case, Jesus is most likely using a Jewish figure of speech, very common in the first century concerning the eyes. Jewish people spoke of a healthy or a good eye as a generous eye. A healthy eye is a generous eye. Come on, try it with me, really. A healthy eye... That's what they understood, and Jesus' audience understood what he was saying. A healthy eye is a generous eye, and an evil eye is not just yar. (laughs) An evil eye is stingy. A healthy or a good eye is generous, an evil eye is stingy. So now you read it again. Jesus says, if your eye is healthy or generous, then there will be light within you. But if your eye is dark and stingy, then, then you're letting darkness in you. You are, in, you are in, incorporating, you are importing darkness. Woo. Proverbs 28, verse 22 says, The stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. Proverbs 11, talking about the difference between being stingy and being generous. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. One person gives freely, but gains even more. Do, do you like the Bible? Yeah. This is upside down from the carnal. See, the, see, mankind, at being fractured within their relationship with God, becomes gripped imprisoned by fear governed by a fear of lack that fear of lack is one of the primary uh, 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 wires instruments of our commercial culture the economy is is largely driven along by by taking advantage of people's fear of lack act now before it's too late seating is limited for a limited time only you'll get this special prize i'm gonna miss out i'm gonna lack and, and drawing upon or pressing upon people's fear of lack is manipulation. But the Bible never speaks to us to minister or to do out of a fear of lack, but out of a desire for blessing. God always meets us at the place of expectation. The world always appeals to our most base instincts, our deepest fears, and God always appeals to us from our greatest hopes and desires. He always reaches us. He always invites us to meet him in great expectation. always Uh, one person gives freely yet gains even more another withholds unduly but but comes to poverty a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed (laughs) here's the apostle paul (coughs) in the second corinthians chapter eight and then verse and then chapter nine listen to a couple of these passages he continues this mindset about it listen to the difference between now he's going to connect action to it but listen to the difference between a healthy eye or an evil eye here but in chapter 8 and verse 7 but since you excel in everything in faith in speech in knowledge in complete earnestness and in the love which we have kindled in you see that you also excel in this grace of giving Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give according to the health of your eyes. Each of you have, should, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's, the, that's satanic. These things are not in my notes. But it's true reluctant compulsion that's demonic that's sin based that's that's carnal but how does but god loves a cheerful giver this is the this is the frequency of heaven god loves a cheerful giver god is and god is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work that's heaven's preference Where is that rock i got to push this morning? I'm feeling it. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. None of this. No, that's not God's way. Listen, this is who God is now. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness treasures in heaven. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy that thinks, oh, Apostle Paul, he's all poor and sad. Wrong! Wrong! Sad people are stingy. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The, The healthy eye is generous, it seeks to share, it loves to give, and as such fills the body, the inner person with light. The evil or stingy eye keeps, hoards, and steals in hopes of feeling secure or at peace. But it just makes our soul dark. An evil or stingy eye results in deep internal darkness, moral blindness, and a diminished capacity to see and pursue good, which is idolatry. And that's where Jesus takes us next to the root of the matter. Verse 24. Oh, I I don't need to turn there. I have it in my own notes. Uh, Verse 24. Be devoted. Everybody say that out loud. To God alone. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. For the disciple of Jesus, when it comes to money, the choice is between generosity and idolatry. For the disciple of Jesus, when it comes to money, the choice is generosity or idolatry. First Timothy chapter six verses nine and 10, Paul writes, "To those who want to get rich." Pardon me, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. You need to hear all of Paul's language because on one hand he talks about the generous lifestyle and how God meets us and God wants to bless us and make sure that we have more than enough which means enough to take care of our families and our grandkids and you know leave stuff for them and bless them all of that is God's idea but there's a contrast between this idea of living generously and, and cooperating with the flow of God's blessing and the desire to get rich means I desire to, to gather and, and hoard and keep All that I can. That is a trap. You will cultivate harmful desires. Harmful desires. Desires that will harm me and other people. Generosity doesn't doesn't harm me or other people, idolatry does. Paul says it plunges people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. There's no such warning for the generous. Consider all that Paul presents the generous and the warning, the solemn warning that he gives to the greedy, to the stingy, to the idolatrous. Hebrews chapter 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money. You can't love or serve both. 1 John chapter 2, uh, 15 and 16, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. In other words, friends, to love God is to be generous. Yeah. To love money is idolatry. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to ask our ushers to get ready. I want to respond to this passage this morning appropriately. Let me ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Ushers, please get yourselves ready quickly. Do you love God? I believe that you do. I want you to consider the health of your eyes this morning. I'm about to receive a second offering. Now, that's because that's, it just seems like the best way to, a, to, a, to respond to what Paul has been saying. In your, in your bulletin, there's actually an insert this morning that talks about putting your heart into it. And it's just an insert that, that, that we, we do a couple of times a year, one at the annual business meeting, and we actually always do it in October. <laughs> and it just is an insert that, that, that invites people to, to uh, just on their own, make their own, of their own volition, not under compulsion or manipulation. But of their own volition to say, I want to, to, if I haven't, I want to commit to being a regular giver at Heritage. And if I haven't, I want to commit to being, I want to support missions regularly. I want to support the building fund regularly. And just to make that kind of commitment. No one's going to call you. No one's going to send you a bill. (laughs) No one's going to do any of that kind of thing. But this is just your opportunity to make some sort of faith expression. And maybe you want to take that paper with you and pray on it and turn it into next week. That's okay, too. But I encourage you to respond I encourage you to consider just right now in this, in this holy moment what, what, how healthy are your eyes are you storing up treasure in heaven and if so how the Bible invites us to a great life living in expectation, generosity, and the blessing of God. That's how disciples of Jesus live. So let's just pray. Lord, would you touch our hearts today? Help us just to consider how we're living and what we're doing. Lord, I, I, do, have, I, I do want to pray for those this morning. <laughs> I gotta, I'm not picking on you, but right now, here's the deal. If you feel inside irritated or offended that that preacher has taken a second offering you may have an eye problem the best way to determine what's going on in you is to give you an opportunity to be generous I think I should tell you this, I I don't think I have made this statement for about a decade but just so that you know If every single person in this room wrote a check for $1,000,000 today, it would not do one red cent to my income, just in case you think I'm out to get something from you. And it has absolutely, it won't affect you whatsoever. Now, if every person in this room wrote a check for $1,000,000, we'd have a quick business meeting, (laughs) and we'd have some plans to modify a few things, and we'd maybe build a whole bunch of cool things around the world. (laughs) who knows what we could do you know what god knows there's no limit to what can be done the people of god are generous is this the right time for me to tell you i'm going to misquote a statistic are you ready i'm going to butcher a statistic but i'm close here's the deal if everybody if every if every believer believer church-going believer in North America, the United States of America, if they practice tithing, we could eliminate world hunger. Amen. 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 We could eliminate world hunger, we could eliminate water problems, disease, uh, access to water around the entire planet. We could, I, I'm not, I mean, I, the statistic is amazing. After that, we could pay off every building, every church building in America, and there would be like billions of dollars left over. Honestly, God's plan, God's plan for the church to be generous is the best plan. It, right. would, it would literally solve the problem right. and leave Amen. an incredible excess of the muscle. Come on. <laughs> and that's what it means to follow Jesus. Ushers, let's just let people worship.